Welcome to Talking Toro 48, or is it 47? Because we might delete last week's episode when Rob and I got a bit giddy about trips to Birmingham and Europa Conference League. And Rob, I think the only trip to Birmingham we'll do will probably be to watch a match in a bar next season. But um, this might be a short pod this week because I've bought a I've bought a, a retro Toro shirt online. I won't I won't reveal the name of the retailer because they're not sponsoring us. But um, it's 94, 95 home shirt. Um, last time we did the Derby double, but it it came. It's not in brilliant condition, but it's it's a good fit. But it's got a real stench of Parmesan. Mm. I don't know if the person who had it was had a big stock of Parmesan cheese, but it's got a smell to it. And even though I'm in, in the office on my own, I'm not sure I can keep this top on much longer. So there may be a period where you just have to talk to yourself, Rob. But anyway, um, enough of that. It's pod forty eight. Rob, we, we we were dreaming of the Conference League, but Toro being Toro, we, we, we fluff our lines. We lose to Inter and we managed to finish behind Bologna in 10th. Glass half full or half empty? Definitely half empty after we were basically, not only were we talking about the Conference League and being in it, I think I, I was almost talking about winning the Conference League last week. But um, I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, Gazetta, Urbana, Cairo have got a lot to answer for because that inter team that he suggested and we got our hopes up was not the one that played. It was pretty much, I know, I know Inzaghi made quite a few changes, but like if that team started the Champions League final, I don't think any would be that, would be that surprised, obviously bar a couple of changes. So it was a stronger side than what we thought. And we probably, Fiorentina did the same thing the day before where they played almost their full strength team against Sassuolo. So Maybe the the logic of actually having a, a, an extra game in the legs so that people, their players haven't gone to two weeks without a game was, was potentially seen as being beneficial. And yeah, and then the other thing that I wanted from from the game was Torino to make a bright start, first fifteen minutes, let them know they're in a game, and sort of see how how up for, how up for it into were. Um, I think Torre thought it was a testimonial to be honest because the the pace of that first half um, was. There was absolutely no intensity um, into scores with potentially the only real chance of the game. We might go on to that and, and whether Milinkovic Savic should have done better. But yeah, I think it's just disappointment. I think that was a bit... The second half performance, I don't think you can criticise the effort of the players. They they definitely went for it. They they said that sort of what they've been saying in the week and, and in... Press conferences in the in press conferences in the past couple of weeks that they were really motivated to finish as high as possible in the table. I think that second half performance you could see that that was true, but there's just that frustration as to what, why on earth did we not start the game like that? But you could probably say that for maybe sixty percent of our home games this season, um, we finished tenth, but we've had I think I think it's the fourth best away record in the league, and I think it's probably got worse now. But I think. Prior on Saturday, it was the fifteenth best home record in the league. Um, yeah, you're not going to qualify with, uh, for Europe when your uh, home form is so poor. Yeah, but I don't think you should be thinking about Europe when you've only got fifty three points anyway. Um, there was a series of kind of external things which needed to happen in Torino's favour, but fifty three points. Yeah, I mean it is three more than last season to finish in the in the same place. Some interesting stats: the eight. So nine teams have obviously finished above us in both of Europe's season. Eight are the same teams both seasons. And this season we managed to switch Verona for Bologna. Um, so I, I said a few weeks ago that it was like this was the second album syndrome, a concept of concept album being different. But 
maybe it's maybe I was completely wrong and we're basically we've just produced the same album but uh, um is it slightly better or slightly worse I, I think uh, it's it is a strange one because it like obviously points wise we've done better this season but I think performance wise and maybe optimism wise I was maybe a little bit more attached to the the team in Eurich's first season whether that's because we were coming from two years of of really really poor results but there were a number of standout performances, Salernitana, Fiorentina at home, where we just absolutely blew the opposition apart. This season, I struggle really to find a 90-minute performance, which you could sort of categorise as being a really, really good performance. We've had spells, we've had first half where we've been great, we've had second half where we've been great, but we've not really put together two great 45-minute performances, even against Milan, where just probably the sort of standout result of the season. Um, or maybe Lazio away more recently. Um, but yeah, I think the the frustrating thing is when you look at the points tally, this is not a team who score a lot of late goals. So you can almost, the 53 points is almost, that there weren't really occasions where we, uh, oh, well, we threw away two points there, but remember we gained two points that, there because we won late on. Well, we don't really score late goals. We don't really score late winners. So you're really then just looking back at all these home games where we've dropped points. Cremonese, Salernitana, lost at home to Spezia, Fiorentina. Like you only need a couple of instances where there where we tore take draws into wins. And not only are we looking at sort of the top seven, you could almost find a path to the top four. Um because I think if we played in had our home form been even just a little bit better and we turned a couple of those draws and defeats into victories. Yeah, we would have, that confidence would have still continued going on to our, our excellent away form. So yeah, I think it's a, a disappointing season and and one where we will probably go on to Urich maybe a little bit later, but I think you, I think we'll be, the the noises coming out is that we he will stay for next season, but the frustration is probably that actually we were only a couple of results away from having a really more a more memorable season, and in, in the big games where we sort of had things to to sort of compete for, we we didn't really turn up. No, I think in the games which we would call must win, Fiorentina, Coppa Italia, Fiorentina home in the league, Monza home in the league, Inter home in the league, where something was quite well, theory on the line. Uh, we just we didn't really deliver. We've obviously had some had some good results. I think the only positive thing is there appears to be a little bit more stability going into the summer in terms of the squad, in terms of Juric, in terms of losing players. Um, obviously, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the transfer market. But it, like you said, it does look like Juric is going to stay, although until he signs a contract, um, I think until he signs a contract, I, I don't think that's too encouraging because all, all, all we then might get is a summer of of tension in the transfer market and, and a summer of tension about whether he's going to sign a new contract. So yeah, I, think... I, I'd, I would almost agree with that, and I don't think that's probably I don't think it's the sort of ultimatum that Juric would respond well to or Cairo would make or because of the the risk of it. But I, I think his contract expires at the end of next season. If we carry on for one more year without uh, almost an agreement to sort of go on a little bit longer, we could just be in almost in a worse situation by the end of next season that we've got a coach who's just had another season and then he's going to leave where I, I think we need a, we need a project. We need a long-term plan of, okay, how are we going to get 
back into Europe or how are we going to sort of get into those top eight positions? Um, and I think if you're actually just going to be like, oh, well, okay, we'll try for another season. Well, we, I mean, best case scenario, we qualify for Europe and then we lose our manager. Like that's still not going to set us up for a, a long-term future. No, I, I, I get the impression there's a little bit more synergy in what's needed, um, but that might be slightly blue sky thinking from my side. But yeah, I mean, just, I guess just going back to the intergame or or just wrapping up the season, I mean, five home wins and 15 goals at home. I mean, I got to, I, I got to applaud Mesa uh, for the amount of trips he's done. Um, what, uh, to anyone who's had a season ticket, that is not, you know, the season you might see being positive, but I think if you had had a wait and the way season ticket would have been, would have been a lot more fun than the home one to see less than a, a goal a game and, less and basically one win in four is 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 pretty poor and i think that just speaks to a side that we like we don't play counter attacking football away from home but we do we do set up differently and it's just i just don't think we have enough ammunition and creative solutions at home uh we don't score enough goals from set pieces we're not um we don't create enough chances our wide plays are very poor we're very reliant on on kind of individual moments so that you know, all of that needs to be looked at in the summer. I and mean, just just closing on the Inter game, or, or just carrying on the discussion. I mean, fair play to Inter for kind of honouring the season. We probably would have preferred them to come with the team that we announced last. Well, Urbano announced last week, but um, there is, yeah. I mean, there was an argument that, that they wanted to keep players kind of match match ready for the Champions League final, which I think they kind of did. Torino should have gone out with a bit more intensity, but yeah, the, the kind of first half performance was was as kind of damp as the weather. Um, and then I think we said, said to each other in the second half, if we got a goal with around 20 minutes to go, I think we might have gone on to win it. But um, it, it all hinged on that incredible save from Cordaz on Sanabria. I mean, Cordaz, was, I thought, was terrible when he came on. His, like his panicky footwork and I, I I thought he was after that save I thought he was going to sort of gift us a goal with these sort of poor poor footwork out from the back yeah but it was yeah I mean it was a yeah I guess t- I believe t- he was, I believe he may have been um Juric's keeper at Crotone as well because they uh, I think I, they embraced after the game and I, I double checked and, and saw that he had a long spell at Crotone so I think it was almost just one of those sort of typical moments and yeah it's it's one of those things where you watch had that been, had we been needing, Inter, say Inter were playing Bologna on the final day or something, we were needing Inter to beat Bologna to to qualify for Europe or to finish seventh or eighth or whatever. Like Cordas would have made an absolute howler, but because it's Torino, he makes it an unbelievable save, and and that was that sort of was the opportunity we needed to to sort of go in to have that time and, and momentum to score a second. No, I agree. And then I think it was only when, I mean, Juric went a bit crazy of his substitutions doing like, I think we had double strikers. You don't and... think Dembasek's going to be a left wing back for next season then? Well, Dembasek left wing back, um, uh, Pietro Pellegrini and Sanabria, and, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, on the field at the same time. Like, defenders just been, I think we ended up with no defence by the end. Um so that was, in a way, quite fun the last 20 minutes. Uh, I thought Milinkovic was at massively at fault for the goal. Yeah. Uh, shot straight at him. Uh, no deflection. He wasn't particularly unsighted. Um, so, 
yeah, not a great end to his season either. Just, but just just going back to Juric's maybe attacking substitutions. So he took Rodriguez off after fifty-seven minutes and brought on Caramo. So moving to a, a four at the back. That's the earliest I remember him doing that. And I think that made me a little bit of frustration that in other games this season where we've been sort of struggling to break teams down, why did we not change? But because it actually worked against a good team. I know Inter had a lot of chances on the counter and probably should have put the game to bed. I think having that ability, I think at home especially, we are very sort of one-dimensional, one way of playing just continue to do the same thing like for like substitutions just having that that ability to maybe change things up going back to a back four have an extra attacking player in the field can maybe work going on next season potentially yeah we're just very dull at home I'm just thinking on the top of my head the five wins with Milan, Bologna, Udinese, Lecce um, I don't think any have been, been by more than one don't think any been more than a no, goal, but I don't remember any of them. Milan was a was a really good, intense performance, but I remember first half an hour of that game, not much happening, and we scored two quick goals. But there hasn't, yeah, there hasn't been a swashbuckling home performance all season. Away from home, it's been been a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it was good. I mean, it's I agree with you. It'd be good to have seen these kind of tactical changes and a little bit more risk here and there, um, because it's no surprise. I think we're probably the uh, one of the few teams, if not the only team, not to come just back to, from, from a goal behind all season. So. Just to correct my own mistake, we did beat one team by more than one goal this season. At home. Oh, it's at uh, home. Uh, oh, you put me on the spot there. We haven't won in home. The, so worst, the worst team in the league. Uh, Sam, we beat Sampdoria 2-0, <laughs> didn't we? So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah. That, part- and that probably, sums, that probably sums us up a little bit. Um yeah, the only game, we, and we only managed to score, we scored exact same amount of goals at home as we did away against against Sam. Well, I've, I think what our plan is, second half of this week's pod, we're going to look at the the, the ratings, the Pagelli for the season, and then our final pod of the season, which will probably be in two weeks, we'll, we'll look ahead a bit to next season and, and transfer targets and, and, and that kind of thing. But Rob, for now, are we ready? Ready for a bit of Torripedia before we head into the awards for the season? Um, I'm ready. One second. I'd, I have. I had two. I had one in mind for basically the whole week, and then came across another potential one, which I thought might be a bit too hard. But given your form with these, I feel like you're going to get both of these. But we'll. Um, I'll, I'll see. I see how you do. I'll. Um, I'll give you the years and the uh, appearances as well. Can help right. a little bit. Okay. So, 1996 to 1997, Montero Rotondo, no data. 97 to 2000, Castle de Sangro, 41 appearances, one goal. Uh, 2000 to 2002, Lanciano. 71 appearances, four goals. 2003, Palermo, four appearances, zero goals. And then finally, a bit of um, stability. 2003 to 2007, Chisena, 107 appearances and six goals. 
2007, uh, Messina on loan, 16 appearances, zero goals. 2007 to 2008, a permanent move to Messina, 19 appearances, one goal. Not to put you off here, Peter, but we're about halfway through. Um, <laughs> 2008 to 2011, Salernitana, 48 appearances and two goals. Well, this player's not even arrived at Torino and they've had a pretty crappy career so far. So. It's about to get better. 2010, Torino, lone, nine appearances, zero goals. Wow. 2011, Frosinone, 17 appearances, zero goals. 2011 to 2012, Cremonese, 29 appearances, one goal. 2012 to 13, Carrarese, 20 appearances, zero goals. 2013 to 14, Ascoli, 19 appearances, zero goals. 2014 to 2016, Salernitana, 64 appearances, one goal. So return back to Salerno. 2006, 2017, Paganese, 32 appearances, zero goals. Now, this is where it gets interesting. According to Wikipedia, this player is still at this club. He's currently 2017 to present. He's at San Marino, the Serie D team, not the country. Wow. Well, basically, we're in that kind of uh, landfill that was. uh, This was the easier option as well, but yeah, I feel I feel like yeah, it gives you gives you a time period at least. Yeah, it's that landfill year of a hundred signings, and yeah, horrible journeyman. Um, I have one. There's one that consistently came to me throughout, but I'm not sure. I thought this player might have played more for Torino. But I'm, I'll probably go with the one that um, I could rack my brains and uh, spend a bit more time on it and figure players. But I, I might, when when I reveal the answer, I'll probably go with where my instinct is. Although I'm very fifty fifty on it, uh, definitely one of the clubs is is correct. So um, yeah, all right. Well, uh, we'll wait till part two for you to reveal the answer and. Maybe if we have time, we'll do a bonus one at the end. Let's see. It might be a, might be a quick fire bonus one. Though, yeah, right? unfortunately, I think I think everybody from now on will hopefully have a smaller career path. But yeah, the other player I was tempted to do has got a longer career path. But yeah, not as many appearances for Torino. Okay, if we have time at the end, we may we may do a quick. Okay. Do, it depends. I think if, if you get it right, we won't. If we get it if you get it wrong, I might give you. Actually, no. Maybe the other way around. If you get it right, maybe I'll do it. I need to try and I need to try and stump you once before the end of the season. Yeah, well, this one's definitely stumped me. Uh, it's definitely going to be a 50 50. Um, all right, so part two, we'll, we'll do the Pagella. We're just going to do a quick fire thing, Rob, of uh, quick, well, not so much alternative awards for the season. So I will, yeah, I'll shoot some questions at you and uh, and we'll, we'll discuss these very quickly. Uh, more as a fun thing. Uh, so I, I just delve and say I've seen 33 of the 38. Toro games either live or near live this season which near live means not knowing the score um 
which yes, yeah, I think it's probably going to be one of my higher ones of of recent seasons. I don't know. I, I think I, guess you... I start. I started to do that, and then worryingly for somebody who's only thirty three, I couldn't actually remember how many of these games that I've watched live. I think it. it I think it probably been less because I know at the start of the season I was away and. Um, yeah, had sort of various commitments, but I didn't. And sometimes I'd watch them sort of on my phone. I feel like you can't. I, I unlike you, I can't watch a game on them um, on playback. I'm just too much of a, a impatient child. I need to know the results. So, um, yeah, I would say at least I'd say I'd watch at least maybe twenty five of them live. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you're right in saying that people with season ticket uh, deserve. Um, a medal for sort of watching these, but also I think people watch NTV. Torino's not the game of the Italian team to follow if you wanted um, entertainment, especially in the home games, because yeah, some of them have been very tough watches. Not with Dempsey doing the commentary as well. So. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, uh, that makes it even worse, I think. So, uh, all right. I think we'll reveal our player of the season once we've done the Pagelle and you and I will we'll see if our, if we come to an agreement. Last year it was Bremer from, from memory. and we, we know how that went. <laughs> All right, so some quick fire ones before we go into the break. Uh, best opponent for you um, in terms of well, it could be. I've gone for team, but it could be team I, or player. I've gone for a team and a player. So I've got I've gone for Napoli. I think it, I mean it's the, probably the easy and obvious answer. They are the the league uh, winners, but they're probably the only side I think home and away who absolutely just battered us off the field. They sort of blew us apart in the first half in, in Naples, and then even sort of as they were coming towards winning the title the, in Turin, they basically yeah just. I mean, it, the the game in Turin may as well have been played in Naples as well because yeah, it was full of Napoli fans. But that, that was their last performance of the season, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. they threw they threw in the towel pretty much after that match. It was we were a bit unlucky to play them then, and not a few weeks later. But that was, I think, their last great performance of the this best winning season. Is, is, did you go for the same answer? Uh, I've gone for Napoli uh, at the Grande Torino because I didn't see the match in Naples, but that was the best opponent I've seen. Uh, I I also picked a player. Um, All right. And everyone knows that I love Victor Osman, but he didn't play in the Naples game. Um, so I actually picked uh, Frank Zambo and Guisa. Um, scored a brace in the game in Naples, and yeah, I thought he was very good again in the in the game at the Grande Torino. So um, yeah, maybe not the the Napoli player that people would have given. Um, sort of, it's probably got the most plaudits this season. But yeah, no, I thought he's uh, very good against Torino in both games. Yeah, I've not gone for. I didn't go for a player, but thinking on top ahead, the player who most impressed me against Torino, uh, even in a short spell, was Dybala when he came on uh, for Roma in Rome. He completely turned the game. Uh, I think we would have won that. We would have hung on had he not come on and he transformed Roma. And whenever I've seen Roma this season, he's just yeah, he's the kind of added value to that team. So he's the yeah, kind of not the one player, but one of the players who's kind of yeah. Look, look, kind of world class against us this season, and I agree quite a lot of those Napoli players did as well. Um, best Torino goal for you? Uh, I've got two, but I think I, if you push me, I'd go for Sanabria v Juve. I think just that was the. Um, I think it was a really good cross by Ilic, good finish, gave us that bit of that hope. Obviously, we'd scored early, Juve had equalised, and then yeah. If if only one of those things that if we'd gone into home uh, if we'd gone in at half time two one up who knows how that game would have turned out I think the best goal just standout goal is uh, Vasic v uh, Asfarina. All right, I've I went for three, uh, but Snabri and the derby was one of mine, so that might be our goal of the season. Then if it's because the one we agree on, I think all of Snabri's goals were a bit 
samey one touch like a lot of really good like seven out of ten one touch finishes and sometimes it's hard to to pick one uh special mentions for me for linetti's header at roma kind of one of the yeah. most unlikely goals of the season um and i think if we'd hung on it would have been could have even been my goal of the season and caramo's goal against bologna which oh, was nice. just very very different to anything else we've seen if if there was a category for worst goal i think it would be lukic's uh backside against empoli yeah, the one or stomach one, or wherever it was. Yeah, the one, the one I got. To, the one I got to see live. Um, best Torino performance. Uh, I mean, this is a difficult one because, like I said earlier, I don't think there's been a full ninety-minute performance which has been good. Um, I think the first half against Salernitana was probably, I think, the, the best performance where we uh, Salernitana away, sorry, where we could have probably been five or six up. Um, I thought the one one-one draw in Rome was good. Uh, against Roma, and then obviously the home victory against Milan. But I'll probably go for 1-0 against Lazio. I think Lazio are the second-best team in the league to go there um, and win and, and look relatively comfortable, I think. For a whole 90-minute performance, that's probably the best of the lot. Yeah, I I actually went for Verona away because I thought it was the most controlled 90-minute performance, even if it wasn't the most sparkling. I thought it was the biggest demonstration of what Europe just tried to do with his team. Uh, but when you said Lazio away, I, yeah, I kind of I did watch that live, but um, kind of on a train and in a bar. Um, but that might be the best result slash performance. But I think I'm going to go Verona away in the league, and then an honourable mention to Milan away in the Coppa Italia with ten men. Yeah. Um, worst performance. Is it worrying that I've got more um, more potential games here? So I've got the one nil home performance against Sassuolo, the one yeah, one home draw that. against Hellas. Uh, the one nil home defeat against Spezia, the two two home draw at Cremonese uh, against Cremonese at home, and then the one one draw against Fiorentina. I'll probably go for the one nil Sassuolo, just because I think the other ones potentially, I think either Sassuolo or Spezia defeats. I think the other ones you can maybe make arguments for, um, but yeah, the Sassuolo game was awful. I've gone uh, Bologna away. Oh. Uh, I think we were we were very lucky to be one nil up at half time, and it was the I think for me the worst second half performance of the season. Yeah, um, I, I think at least there was a, a semi competent first half performance there. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, another another game where we were pretty dreadful. Worst worst opponent. Uh, so worst opponent, I've got a team. Um, which yeah, sorry, so it's Sampdoria. Yeah, I've gone Sampdoria home and away. So I think they were... <laughs> Pretty pretty bad. I mean, there's uh, been I've, some been some bad. There's been a general level of badness, but I've got some. I've got yeah. some players for worst opponent as well. Go on then. Um, so worst individual performance, I think uh, Enzo Berenicea in the derby. Had not um, been seen since, has he? No, he was dreadful. Yeah. And also um, an old friend, Tommaso Pabega, uh, against Milan uh, in the in the game at the Grande Torino. Yeah, absolutely dreadful. Um, but yeah. Quite almost enjoyable to watch somebody have such a poor performance because I, I often find it doesn't really happen. Usually, people have their their, their decent performances against Tara. Yeah, I've I've saved my player ones for most irritating opponent, which is quite long. So uh, penultimate category worst Torino cameo. I've gone for my man Ola Einer against Fiorentina to review, but that thirty minutes was uh, just ha- that vision of the dirigential. Uh, putting their head in the the hands at the same time. I, I think every pass, every pass, pretty much misplaced. I think again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind 
um to my my instagram friend because um there was uh, there is a a caveat to that game in the fact he he had recovered from from injury I do think he's performance against Atalanta at the start of the season where he gave away a penalty on the stroke half time and then got subbed immediately after. Probably maybe a bit too long for a cameo, but yeah. Um and yeah, Gravillion Gravillion against Lazio as well, where another Juric has these feelings where he feels he needs to swap a centre back and yeah, it's very difficult for a game for a centre back to get sort of up to up to pace of the game. All right. Um Okay, we're running a little bit out of time for part one. So just quickly, most annoying opposition player, which for me is the the longest category, but I'll, I'll just read the names. So a couple of Juventini. So Fagioli and Gatti, who are just kind of want to be like Juventini in training, just you know, kind of working the hard yards to be to to be kind of really annoying. Uh, Delafeo Udinese, uh, trying to be, trying to think he was messy um, in the game down there, just. Yeah, posing about most of the game. Strafetta for his diving. Lecce. Uh, Mancini, the Roma defender who got his comeuppance in the Europa League final. But he, uh, yeah, he's, his performance get, it does in Rome was uh, was pretty niggly, to say the least. Another niggly play, Gary Medel, Bologna. Tactical fouls, all that guy does. Uh, Bonaventura at Fiorentina, I've never liked. It's a kind of a rational dislike. Just uh, irritating um just find his presence generally irritating. Um, just, just too much kind of, um, again, posing and pretending to be a hard man sometimes. And it's just no, you're Bonaventura, mate. You're a, uh, yeah, bit part player at Fiorentina, whatever you are. And then an honourable mention to the Gallo for uh, Gallo Bellotti for, yeah, maybe the last time this season, but for for being so keen to take that penalty and run under the court of Sud, miss his penalty and not score a goal all season. So yeah. I'm still waiting for you to to say you've left Torino, Gallo. But anyway, they're mine. We've not left you much time for yours. But we actually have two the same. So Mancini and Strafetta, I also had. I also had Bruno Amioni for some. Um, yeah, I think the most he ran in that game was was to after he'd been substituted to go and argue with Pellegrini uh, for celebrating against uh, Sampdoria. Uh, so yeah, no, I think Mancini or Strafetta, you, you can have the final pick as as the most annoying opposition. Uh, I think Strafetza could end up at Torino um, and we'll be, yeah, we'll probably be sitting here with his name on the back of our shirts <laughs> next season. So let's go. Let's go with Gianluca Mancini. Uh, he wins that award. Um, all right. We're going to play a memorable moment from the season, shall we? Going into part two. Yeah, um, we'll, have to, we'll have to try and dig deep and find one. <laughs> Hit the Pagello. See you in a minute. Illich. Not a bad cross. And Torino retake the lead. It's Tony Sanabria again in the derby. So that was a bit of audio from our goal of the season, Tony Sanabria in our 2-1 uh, away win at Juventus. Oh, was it finished 2-1? <laughs> Did we win? Um, anyway, uh, don't yeah, they get what, all that? That's, that that's what would have would have happened if we managed to hold on to a, a lead at halftime. Well, I don't know. Haven't Juve lost all their goals this season or something? I thought we'd won, I thought <laughs> we'd won that derby. Anyway, Rob... Uh, before we get into the pad jelly, uh, Toropedia. Um, better give you my answer, hadn't I? So, okay, my my logic being this player definitely played for Chisena. He was definitely part of the Torino team that didn't do so well in that era. But I think this player might have played more for Torino. Um, but it's the only one I've had time to think of. Uh, it was a 
The one I'm thinking of was was a thuggish, bald central midfielder by the name of Manolo Pestrin because he definitely played for Chisena. But I thought he played more than nine appearances. I thought he was a bit of a stalwart for a while. But that is correct. Oh, get in! For a second, I thought you may have um, been going somewhere else. Um, the other one I'm was. Not sure I'm, I'm going to mention his name just in case he comes up for another game. I think he also played for Chisena. So I, I got a little bit and played more games for Torino. So yeah, I got a little bit excited that may I may have tricked you here. No, Will I, I thought... say his name and we just won't use it? Yeah, say his name. Giuseppe, Giuseppe De Feudis. Yeah, De Feudis, well, he scored the goal. He was really weird one because I thought he was always quite steady and then he didn't play at all in the under Ventura in the promotion season and then scored the goal that got us promoted um, towards the end of that season. Yeah, uh, yeah De Feudis probably would have, might have stumbled me more than... Well, I might have guessed it from the, from the promotion season. Had quite a few, um, few similar teams as well. Um, yeah, Samarino, Chisena. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad I, that was a tough one because there were so many players in that era. I thought Pestrin had come from Chisena as well. The whole the Messina bit and Salernitana was, yeah, threw me off. Yeah, no, yeah, he came from Salernitana, it was a loan from Salernitana. Yeah, I thought um, he was definitely he was captain at Chisena for a while. Um, but I remember want- he got he got a really stupid red card in that season uh, quite early in the game I think yeah he, he was uh... alright well do you want do you want the bonus one I think we'll do if we have time at the end we'll do okay. we'll do a live bonus one a live where... bonus one oh, 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 okay I'll answer it um... and this this player I've just, I only just came about and remembered because I um, yeah I started a football manager career with his current team and then so oh I recognise you um, so yeah might be a bit of a fun one Intrigued. All right, Pad for Padjellis, and we'll reveal our play, player of the season at the end of this if we if we can agree anything. So we'll, we'll alternate introduce the players. Uh, we're only going to do players who finished the season at Torino. So sorry, Sasalukic, you're not getting a vote. Um, so let's get into it. Vanya Misovic Savic. Uh, I've gone. I've gone for a six. I don't think he's had a great season. I don't think he's have been as at fault for as many goals as potentially was last season. I do think he does offer us a lot in terms of the build up play and the way that he can play out from the back. I think it was I think it was against Inter actually where we almost for the first time I thought he was almost gonna sort of kick I think he like he miscontrolled a back pass and I thought it could have ended up in his own net. Um but yeah I'll I'll go for a six for Vanya. Vanya was Better this season than last season. I can't remember the, the vote we gave him last season. It could have even been a six out of sympathy a bit. Yeah, fewer mistakes. I'm not sure he's as integral to the Torino players. Sometimes it's made out. Uh, if I'm sitting there watching the games, distribution is not always um It's, always it's, more, it's more so, I think, that he's always an option to go back to, that he is comfortable with the ball at his feet. So sometimes if the defenders are 30, 30 yards from goal and there's no, nothing on, they will just sort of lump it uh, well just pass it straight back to, to Vanya and they know that he can sort of cope with it yeah I think the great quality he has is nothing phases him so there was a game at Lazio away where he almost made a rick in the first minute and he just he reacts to it like yeah, yeah it was under control I knew what I was doing <laughs> and I think that's probably quite a good good quality to have in the professional athlete in some senses in that 
just probably he seems to have a kind of Ibrahimovic levels of belief in himself. Or he's just got um, like a, a goldfish esque ten second memory. Uh, that, and yeah, he that, just he just forgotten it straight away. That that could be. It. I'm going to give him a six as well. I think he'll probably be our goalkeeper next season. Uh, something to talk about in in the next pod. But yeah, boringly we've we've agreed in the first one. Um, Jamelo Berisha. We're not going to give a vote to. We'll probably talk about them again in a few weeks. Berisha probably let himself down by basically uh, not being part of the squad for most of the season after. Uh, which which is a bit strange because he would have only just gone off to be a second choice elsewhere, I'd imagine. So, yeah, yeah, bit, bit of a strange one. All right, do you want to introduce the the first fullback? Yeah, so it's um yeah it's my mate Olorina. <laughs> well, let, let's uh let's start this pod by saying that uh yeah Olorina's parting gift at Torino was uh to lose some stickers Rob had sent him to get autographed. Uh, well, but I'm, st- I'm still optimistic that they might arrive at some stage. But yeah, he's, already, did, um... he's already left Turin by the look of it. So he couldn't... Uh, yeah, he... I don't know. Well, he's got, obviously got a big house. He's probably been tidying it up and he might have found them. But yeah, no, I, um, I'd, I'd co- try and collect some uh, autographed Torino stickers. So I realised that having a... Um, a natural English speaker leaving the club. I, my window is quite short to try and get these signs. So I, um, yeah, sent a parcel to to Ollo. And, and to be fair to him, he, he messaged me back on Instagram, said that he received them, uh, made him made him laugh with my uh, the letter that I sent him because I said that I enclosed the uh, ten euros to, to buy himself a drink if he, um, if he if he couldn't manage to get them sent back. So yeah, I probably it, I, I managed to buy Alorana and Aperol spritz. Not many people can say that. And, um, he's, and he's he's taken your money and lost your stickers. Who knows? It might. It, I've got faith. I got faith in him. You probably. You know what? I, I, I might I go for, I got, when he turns to put Fulham next season. I might just go, <laughs> just go, just go and meet up with him and see, see uh, if he's got my ten euros. A challenge for you. I think we can get Oliver on the on on the podcast one day, but that does, maybe that's not. If he, maybe not if he listens back to previous episodes. <laughs> but we'll see. Because um, of uh, things he made. Well, we literally just said in part one about his uh, poor cameos. Um, so for me, Ina, um, the season started quite positively. He was pretty much, he was involved in the first 11 games. Then he scored, uh, as he does his only goals against Udinese, got injured in that game and only then featured in about seven games for the rest of the season. Um I was yeah. You actually supplied all of the stats for for the players this season. I was really surprised when I saw he'd only started nine games. Um, for me, he's always been a player who's done well when he's had a run in the team and he gets kind of tuned in. Uh, he's never really worked when he's had these cameo roles. It's just a kind of a bit of a sometimes a lack of. Um, I don't know. It's, it's uh, sometimes it feels like a lack of concentration or a, a kind of lack of getting rhythm to the game. He's just. He's frustrating because at times he's looked a really good wing back, um, strong, powerful, uh, technically can be quite good sometimes. Um, but yeah, just just kind of in the in the latter half of the season, it was kind of quite a lot of sloppy cameo performances. I thought he did really well in the game I went to at home to Udinese, which was his last ninety minute performance season. But for me, it's a five and a half for, for Olorino, and he's contracts up and probably be the last we, we see of him in a Torino well I, I think it would definitely be the last that we see of him because he, yeah he did post on his because because we're best mates so I saw that he, he did post a photo of his last his first appearance and his last appearance in Torino shirt I think he's probably one which we'll discuss more on 
um, in a future pod. But yeah, his three nickel has been what maybe a case of what could have been. I think if you think of his first season under Matsari, was sort of broke through and and yeah, I think essentially circumstances beyond his control maybe maybe led to his experience at, at Torino not being never really reaching those same heights. But yeah, I also went for a five point five. So this is actually really boring so far. Well, we just we really know what we're talking about, otherwise. All right, uh, I don't. Do we give this player a rating, Brian Bayer? Yeah, I'm giving I'm giving him money. He oh, assisted, no. assisted the goal in one of the best moments of the season. That is that is the sole purpose. Even though the stats, the stats are provided a Serie A only. Um, yeah, I think he deserves a rating for for that moment in in Milan where he um, sort of broke down the line, crossed it, and uh, Dapo scored. And similarly, I've got given a rating for a Dapo for for the same reason. So I've gone for a five and a half. Uh, yeah, for me, five and a half. The positive was the was the contribution Milan. Less positive was the was the very limited snapshots we had of him uh, in in a couple of league games. Um. I did it so interesting. Uh, Valen- Valentino Lazzaro, the only Valentino to play for Torino since the great Mazzola. Well, I, I, well, I, mean, I, I think I made that. Uh, <laughs> I think I said that and then didn't actually check. Um, I checked. I've checked. Oh, did you check? Oh, yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, at least, at least one of us on this podcast did some research. But um, yeah, Lazzaro is another one of it, a strange one where. At his best, he's been very, very good, and at his worst, he's been very, very bad. I don't think he really had a, many medium performances. Um, it looks like he's not going to be coming back, which essentially, if you, I think one of the players when he was out injured became a lot better than he, he maybe was, and maybe people's memories of him sort of changed slightly. Um, I've given him a six, um, which might be a little bit harsh. Um, but yeah, I think he almost flattered to Steve on occasions where he was that little bit of quality that we wanted him at wing back. But yeah, in other games, really was was quite poor, especially when he came back from injury and maybe maybe he rushed back too soon. So I think could, that could be a little bit harsh. And given, I think if we if he, his last game of the season was that Fiorentina was that Salernitana game, sorry, where he got injured, I think this rating would probably be a lot higher. Yeah, boring again. It's a six for me. Um, he didn't start the season brilliantly, but I think around the time of the World Cup, just before then, he had quite a good run. Came back after the World Cup looking quite sharp. Uh, the best crosser of the ball at the club. Um, not the quickest, wasn't going to beat a man out wide, but would, would kind of beat a man by, with his crossing ability. And then when he came back from injury, um, he just, just didn't look, he didn't kind of look match fit or ever get going again. I th- yeah, so it, it, it's a six for me. Um, and a bit of a shame, really, that I think if he'd stayed fit, um, yeah, obviously would have got a lot more out of him. And he just, he is a little bit more refined, definitely more refined than the other four fullbacks we had. Um, so, yeah, over to you. Uh, so, Wilfred Singo. Um, I find Singo just a bit of a an enigma wrapped in a riddle or whatever whatever they say because he, he, on occasion he can be absolutely unbelievable and and when we fought, first saw him sort of burst onto the scene as as Mike Richards would say when he first came in, in and started playing at right wing back he was so sort of explosive so energetic so sort of almost you could sit like his pace would just blister uh, defenses and you just don't really see that anymore and it's a little bit of a shame and 
I think sometimes he he can get a little bit of a success going forward just from almost not even having great technique, but just almost sort of stumbling his way into the box and stumbling into a, a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, he scored two goals. I, I think one of those is probably the um, the Spezia goal, which was later taken away from him. And uh, only one assist, which I think is probably the biggest issue. Um gets into positions um on, on the sort of on the right wing and and yeah his final delivery is quite poor um yeah we'll probably go on to to Singo later on in, in the last podcast of the, of the season but he's one of those players where if there's an option to sell him for money I wouldn't be too upset bear in mind it's contracts ended at the end of the season uh, and yeah my rating is a 6 all right, this is the first time we differ. Um, I'm going five and a half for Singo. Um, I think it's telling that he's about the only player that Urich hasn't improved of the players who were kind of... If anything, potentially made him worse? Yeah, it's just... It's, oh, you said, you've said it all, he's frustrating because he has the physical attributes and not only the physical attributes, sometimes he is generally a very good defender as well. Um, but it's just... A lot of kind of anonymous performances, a lot of performances he doesn't seem interested in getting over the halfway line. I think in the final third, he is kind of very reliant on getting his head down um, and trying to burst past people. But yeah, we just, Michael Richards is not actually a bad analogy of Zingo as well. Um, definitely similarities there. Yeah, I just feel. And, and Richard, Richards, I mean, they almost had a bit of a reverse career. I think Singo started as a centre-back was moved to a right-back in the Primavera and obviously that's now just became his position. Richards was a right-back and then moved as a centre-back. I, I could, could you see Singo going on to have a career as a, a centre-back? I don't think he don't really think he's got the composure maybe with his ball, with the ball at his feet and yeah but, potentially but, it could but, be something. A Kyle Walker type role, you know using recovery pace and and um yeah, I think he's got the height. It was for, he did score two goals because he scored against Cremonese and Lecce. It, it's actually um, something which it's some. Oh, apologies, uh, Wilfred, but it's something that maybe, like we say, where we've been looking at options to be a bit more attacking. It's something maybe I'm surprised that Juric hasn't tried. Maybe having Singer as the right centre back, having a genuine right right wing back outside of him. Um, and then you've got a double threat on that side in the same way that Bongiorno loves to sort of maraud forward. Um, yeah, that's that's something I wouldn't wouldn't hate seeing forward, seeing him in, in the in the back three. Yeah, he's also the. But I have just sold him off, so maybe not. <laughs> he's also the fullback we saw most of in in the season. Uh, so closing, Medjin Voivoda, um, actually got five assists this season, um, which. It's fairly incredible. I think a lot of them must have been earlier just in the a, season. Just a, and just the last, maybe the last pass before somebody's like <laughs> scored from 20 yards. Yeah. I mean, I think we we hammered a few Voivoda performances this season. I thought he finished the season fairly steadily. Again, another player who's never very good when he comes on as a substitute. Um, um, I don't think he's Torino quality. I don't think if we're moving forward, um, I think it's probably time to move him on in the summer, which I know we're kind of talking about last season. I actually thought his season was okay in the end. I'm going to give him a six, and I'm probably being a bit generous there. I've I've also given him a six. I think um, I probably would have given him a five point five had I not realised that he had contributed five assists, which is 
pretty impressive for somebody who only started 18 games. Um, I agree. I think I, I think he. There's been a little bit of talk that because uh, he came up. Remember, he came off against Roma. I think at half time. Uh, not even half time. He didn't even last that long. I think after like 30 minutes and just had a bit of a sulk on the on the on the sidelines. And there has been some talk that he's not been happy that contracts talks haven't been sort of orchestrated yet. And he, he is again another player where out of all the, out of those four, I mean, seeing as we I've sold off Singo and you sold off Voivoda, we could go into the next season with with none of none of those wing backs. But yeah, it's probably for another pod. But yeah, I've given him a six. He he has got better. I think he's he's, he's done well as the as the sort of in the in the last couple of games when he's sort of come back into into favour. All right, do you want do you want to kick off my, the centre backs? Yeah, my so my my mate. I think it's I think it's I, I think it's time that I eat humble pie, and so for Alessandro Bongiorno, I'm really really sorry. In a way, ever since I sort of called him out and said maybe he's not as good as everybody thinks he is, he's had an absolutely unbelievable end to the season. Um, scoring against um, Sampdoria the day before he goes up to uh, Superga to read out the names it was probably one of maybe got over it, maybe one of the highlights of the of the season as well. Um, he his assist for Sanabria in the Fiorentina game something I wasn't really sure he had in his locker, but he it's significant that Juric said in the in the pre match press conference that every other player is potentially sort of a sellable asset apart from Bongiorno and Bongiorno should really be the antithesis and the representation of what Torino should be um, and yeah I, I think he should maybe, maybe go on to be captain for the the next sort of five to ten years um, I think he's he really this has been his breakthrough season Juric mentions a lot he's never really seen that much improvement from a player in it from when he sort of took over so yeah, I take it all back, Alessandro, um, and I've given him a seven point five. Seven point five from Rob. Wow, um, big call. Um, yeah, I thought he's a very, very good end to the season. I think uh, for a certain period, he was the the most the, the player in Europe who committed the most fouls. Um, yeah, but a bit of a coming of an age season, um, and definitely that role. Um, I've been the centre back with with license to come forward suited him. Also worth mentioning, he's been on the fringes of the of the national team. He's not made the um, nations league squad, but I think there's a real potential that, yeah, maybe the first Torino Bandiera we, we we could have for a while. And also, yeah, hopefully, hopefully if we kick on next season, he's going to be an integral part of that. I'm not quite feeling as generous as you, or maybe. No, I'm I'm, I'm going to go over seven because I think there are probably moments earlier in the season. But yeah, definitely, def, he's definitely in contention to be to be player of the season. Uh, weeks just quick, after, weeks after you called him out. Just quickly before we move on, it turns out I don't know what antithesis means. <laughs> um, <laughs> that actually means the opposite. So yeah, no, he uh, whatever Greek word I mean um, that means he's really really good and they should stay for a long time. And yeah, once again, I'm really sorry, Alessandro. All right, coffee. Uh, coffee Gigi um, was pretty much uh, 34 appearances, 26 starts. He got a goal against Milan. Kind of continued in the same vein of last season as being probably the most athletic, um, pacey, uh, certainly the defender of the best recovery place, but definitely fewer mistakes this season from him. Um, I 
might surprise you here. It's a seven for Coffee Gigi for me. I thought he's one of our players of the season. Uh, I've gone six point five. Um, I, th- I agree. I think he is under the radar, one of our better players. I think it will be interesting, and I imagine his name would have popped up in those conversations that Juric had with uh, management after after the Inter game. If the, I just don't understand unless unless Gigi's asking for crazy Saudi Arabia money I don't understand what the barrier is in sort of giving him a contract extension he seems to be quite happy in uh, Turin unless unless it is literally that he he would prefer to, to re- return and, and sort of go back to, to living in France I just yeah I think the the amount even if even if you're paying them maybe a little bit more than uh, what a player of his calibre is worth I think the buyer replacement would be a lot more uh, than that, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether he does get a contract extension. Um, and yeah, another good, another good season from um, from Kofi. So his potential replacement uh, was drafted in in January, in probably quite a smart move to to phase in. But so uh, Andrew Gravillon um, didn't make many; it made seven appearances, I think, at the end, but a lot of them cameos. There was, the, yeah, we've probably overegged the performance against Lazio. He did look fairly steady beyond that but I think it's probably a five and a half for me for for Gravillon yeah same same for me I think yeah there were times where he he sort of looked quite um seamless and I think I do think part of when players starts a game they've probably got a list especially a centre-back and they've got more of an ability to sort of impose themselves get used to the speed of, of how the game's being played Juric does do this thing where he brings on centre-backs and yet yeah, I think it's very difficult then for a centre-back who isn't used to the system to then maybe adapt in that situation. We've seen sort of mistakes been made by centre-backs who've been bought on late on. Um, yeah, I think it probably is the right decision for him not to be uh, redeemed from his loan spell and if anything that probably suggests that there's a chance of, of um, Gigi uh, signing a deal. Um, yeah, I think that's maybe one to to look out for. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and then next uh, Ric- player, Ricardo Rodriguez. Ricardo Rodriguez. Yeah, for me, um, I mean, we're the fifth best defense in Serie A, so I think we're probably going to see some of the higher higher ratings here. Um, for me, Ricardo Rodriguez um, was moved continually between left centre back. And left wing back a lot more left wing back in the second half of the season. Um, we were pretty horrified when when that started happening because it it didn't look like he was up to it anymore. But I thought, yeah, just another player, a bit like Gigi's kind of journey at at, at, at Torino as as kind of under under Europe just completely changed. I thought he was very steady this season, um, very reliable, a little bit less kind of reliance this season on his on his kind of long range passing. Um, but yeah, for me, the the real shame is he's just that free kick specialist. He was in the Bundesliga, dead ball specialist. We've never really seen that. He's been a bit unlucky in the final third. But uh, for me, it's another seven uh, for for Ricky Rodriguez. I think what's surprising is that yeah, contrary to zero goals, zero goals and zero assists, with his technical ability, you would expect there to be a little bit more. Um, final product but yeah a lot of the season he's played as a left centre back I think he's pleasantly surprised at left wing back seeing as I think we'd we'd both 
thought that his sort of legs had gone. I think he had a decent spell at left back for Switzerland in the World Cup, and maybe that's given him a bit of confidence and gave Juric a bit of confidence to think that he could play a little bit further forward. Um, again, I've, I've gone a little bit, maybe maybe a bit too high, but I've gone for a 7.5. 7.5 for Ricky Rodriguez, wow. He's in, he's in contention for player of the season. No. I'd be really interested, and this is one for the next part, I'd be really interested to see if he's a Torino player next season. Because I think yeah. we we'll they, we'll need a there is a sense in certain areas as a group of stability, but I um I, I'll I'll be intrigued to see what kind of what discussions happen because his contract is up the following season uh, and you know he's not getting obvious things to say but he's not you know we, we're probably going to get one more or two more good seasons out of him and I'm not sure that wing back role is going to be too sustainable going forward. I think it's definitely going to be at central defence. Um, Peshers, I might surprise you here. Um, I think he's a bit the darling of the Tifosi, uh, partly because uh, he's kind of young and swashbuckling and um, has certain camel glickness about him. He's kind of in that kind of celebrates defending for defending, uh, is quite showreal, seems like a really nice lad as well. Um, I uh, uh, maybe I'm just I'm kind of warning off suitors because he's probably one of the players who is going to have um, some some kind of admiring glances in the, in the transfer market. I think there's a lot of room for improvement and a lot of um, a lot of development. I thought at times uh, quite on quite a few occasions there are certain moments he could he could have done better in. Um, very, I'd like to see more of him kind of bringing the ball out at the back in that kind of Dutch way, which I think is really impressive at doing it. I thought it was a really good season. Don't take this negative, but for me, it's a six and a half for sure. So I think, um, I I think if we can keep him for another season, um, I think it'd be a mistake to sell him now because I think he's just going to grow into a into a much better player, and he'll really benefit from another season at Torino. It's a shame that season's not in Europe just for to, to kind of have that experience as well. Um, he doesn't seem to be angling for a move. Um, so, yeah, but it's a six and a half, which some people will find harsh, seeing as I've given the all the other regular centre of central defenders seven. But I think they played much more to their uh, to their ceiling than, than Schurz did. I think I think everything you said there is really fair, actually. I think I've, I've given him a seven, so it sort of fits in with giving a sort of point, a point five mark higher than, than everybody else. But... Uh, well, Bongiorno and Rodriguez at least. But yeah, I agree with that. I think the best thing for him and for for him personally, and I think his agent and for the club would be another season at Torino. I think there are uh, areas where he probably needs to improve. And if he does go to, I know Newcastle and Liverpool have been mentioned, I, I just don't see him at the moment. And I'm mean, just sort of go from being playing in the back three to playing in the back four. Um, that there are areas for improvement, which I think having another season in Italy is not going to hurt at all either for either his, his sort of value and also just his experience of, de- of defending at a higher level. Um, I think any scout watching may have been put off by Duvan Spatter sort of sending him on his ass. Um, so I think it. W- I, I I would like to. I, I expect to see him still at Torino next season, and I think yeah, I think for everybody it would be the best call. Um, like I say, if Rodriguez leaves, then that. Sort of opens up that left wing back, uh, that that left centre back spot. Bonjour, I mean, and she is 
can can play in that centre centre back role where we can sort of bring out the ball a little bit more as well. All right, and then the forgotten man. This this guy's the forgotten man of the squad for me, and it's a shame. David Zima, who was like the shares of the season before, still very young defender. I think another one has got a lot of potential, but obviously he had a fairly horrific time with a meniscal injury uh, for most of the season. I think he's been back on the bench the last few games, but we didn't see him. Um, so it's digging back into the memory. I didn't think he fared brilliantly this season. I remember a pretty bad mistake at, in Udine with, with Vanya. Um, and there were, he was going through a phase a bit where, again, looked look, a really good player, but it was kind of a mistake a match. Uh, there was an epic recovery tackle in one of his last matches when we won in Florence, I think on Jovic. Um, but it's probably... You know, probably somewhere in the five and a half, six mark. I will probably. I don't know if to be generous because because of the because because of, of the injury situation, the fact that he didn't have a you know he didn't really have a chance to grow into the season. So I'll just I'll call it a six, although probably a bit more five and a half based on what we saw on the, on the pitch. Uh, no room for no room for sentiment for me. I've given them a five. Um, unlucky because of injuries, but I will still always remember. I had forgotten that recovery tackle, so apologies for that, but. Um, although, although part part of me thinks that was that not shares or was that another one? Because then the I think, um, that, I think so, that was so that was a different one where social media then the three no social media they they found the password to the Instagram account. That was Bologna. Uh, the shares, yeah. Um, but for for me, Zima, I can just remember the reverse game at the San Siro against Inter, where poor poor Ilkan, who was not even rated, um, got blamed for Brozovic's late header, where I think the the issue was actually Zima just pushing out and leaving a 18-year-old kid to deal with the World Cup uh, finalist midfielder. So, yeah, I, I've I've gone a little bit harsh and given them a five. Yeah, I, I might review mine and go five and a half. Actually, then I'd forgotten about that one in the San Siro as well. So it's a five and a half. Sorry, David, that's wrong. <laughs> um, right, midfielders. This is a lad we're going to be saying Adopo to literally, um, Michel Adopo. Ah, uh, what I mean, what a weird season because ev- for me, every time we saw him, he looked pretty decent. Again, uh, started the season playing centre back away at Monza, scored the winner in the Coppa Italia against San Siro. Had a really good game in Florence in the in the league. Um, was always given bits here and there. I think if he'd been given the run in the side, looked really good player. I'm worried he's going to go to an Atalanta and and kick on, but for whatever reason, whether at the time where he could have been a first-team player, the, the contractual situation uh, came into play. Uh, I'd be a bit generous. I really like the Dopper, what I saw. I'm going to give him a six and a half, and I'm not sure it's his fault he didn't play enough. Uh, I'm going to give him a six. And again, I agree that it's strange that we didn't see him more, but I think his agent is potentially the reason for that because he made it quite clear that he was unhappy at how, how little he was playing. Whilst that may have been fair, I think maybe that conversation could have been held internally and and not in the in the press. I find it bizarre that if he can't get into Torino's team, he's going to go to Atalanta and get into their team when they've got better options in midfield, uh, at least at least in terms of sort of third and fourth choices. Um, yeah, I, I find that very strange, and I'll be happy to have my hands up next season if he goes on to have a great season and it turns out to be an inspired move but there was talk before he sort of broke through at Torino that was talk that he was going to go to the to England and it was only a work permit that sort of 
prevented that from happening. Obviously, I don't think that situation would have changed at all. But yeah, I don't think that is the the best move for his career if he wants to play regular football. And yeah, and I think Atalanta are one of those teams who are considering an under twenty three team in the third division. And my fear is that Adapo could could just end up playing for them next season. All right, I think we'll do one more player, and then we'll do a bit of a Toropedia and then go into the, the, the final chunk of midfielders and uh, and forwards reveal our player of the season. So the, the final player for, for this part is uh, Ginetis. What another weird season. <laughs> Two starts, Milan and Roma. Uh, I think one sub-appearance I remember was Cremonese. I think he may have come... Did he come on with... Came on with someone like Adopo or in like the last minute to turn the game. Um yeah, I, I, I didn't see the Roma game. I th- uh, by accounts, he did quite well. In the San Siro, he looked to have quite nice technique. Uh, but uh, yeah, he got an early booking. It conditioned his game. I mean, uh, it's a hard one for me to call because I've only seen half of the body of his work. So I'm going to kind of probably lean towards a six and just say it's nice. We've got a young lad out of the, the Primavera into the first team. Yeah. Below. Quite straight. I, he was obviously came in in that period where Illich was settling in to play along. And to have a, and I think Richie may have been out as well, just to offer a bit of skill in midfield. I, I think Juric liked him because he's a, a natural left footer, which I think once Illich came into the team and was settled, that sort of option didn't really become um, an issue because you had that balance. Uh, yeah, I agree totally. I think it's nice to see a young lad come into the team. Um, he actually played back for the Primavera last night in the in the semi final against Fiorentina, which unfortunately uh, Toro lost. Um, but yeah, maybe one for the future. I think actually a loan to, now that we're not going to be playing in Europe or anything, I think a loan to a Serie B side next season might be uh, make a lot of sense. I think it probably needs just some games in his legs. What's your rating then? Uh, sorry, six as well. All right, we'll 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 come back with uh, Ivan Illich uh, after a bit of a Toropedia. Um, sure. All right, Rob. We'll, try, we'll do this one. We'll, we'll really answer at the very start of, uh, after after the next bit of audio, but yeah, let's. So surely, I've, surely I've got to trick you once before the end of the season. But this is I your last think, chance. I, I don't think this. Is, I don't think this is going to be it. But um, I won't give you the years because I don't think you particularly need them. Um, so Mogren, thirty-three appearances, five goals. Torino, one appearance, zero goals. Fiorentina, three appearances, zero goals. Betsio on loan, 21 appearances, one goal. Belenenses on loan, 12 appearances, four goals. Then a permanent move to Portugal with Braga, six appearances and zero goals. Uh, loan spells from Braga are Aljojan, apologies for my Spanish, 15 appearances and one goal. Uh, back to Belenenses, 13 appearances, one goal. And uh, Mausgren. Uh, in Belgium, 18 appearances, two goals. That then led to a permanent move to Belgium. Uh, 55 appearances and three goals for Mauskron. Then a season at Bud- Buduknost Podgorichka, where he had 12 appearances and five goals. And as of this year, a slight clue, um, he's moved to OFI, OFI Crete, 15 appearances and three goals. Why is that the big clue? The last one. Uh, oh, it's just a year. I didn't give the I didn't give the years for the. Ones. Ah, okay. So it's just right. to know, just so you know that he's not retired. 
I see. I think I've I think I've got it. Uh, do you want me to read I, I feel like I'm never going to get these. Do, 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 should we give people uh, so the next bit of audio? Um, we'll hear a bit of Ivan Ilic's winner at, at Lazio, one of the one of the best performances of the season. On for Ilic. Ilic, let's fly, and it's a big mistake from Providel. He's been almost flawless this season, but that will go down as an error. And Torino bought a ticket to the raffle. And they've come away with the opening goal. Hello and welcome back to the Talking Toro podcast. Um, so it's been probably, how many weeks, Tuesday, Peter? Four or five weeks where I've tried to stump you with these Toropedia. I had, I had Manolo Pestrin uh, in the, the first half. Um, and yeah, I feel like I'm not going to be successful with this one either. Um, any any ideas for uh, today's second bonus Toropedia, Peter? I think it's uh, 8-1 uh, to me. I think uh, P- Pestrin was harder. I, I could end up with egg on my face, but I believe it's Marco Bakic, is it? That is correct, yes. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, just to go back to any football manager um, fans, yeah, I started a league with um, OFI Crete because I'm uh, booked my honeymoon to Crete uh, for next year. Um, and uh, yeah, so saw so, so Marco Bakic's name in the squad lineup and thought, oh, I know you um, might be one to trip Peter with, but yeah, unfortunately it wasn't. So yeah, that's that's him on the bench for the next uh, for the next couple of games. All right, let's uh, let's get back into into the ratings. So we left it on the midfielders. Uh, Ivan Illich, over to you. Uh, I think it, I think he was actually really really good. I think almost forgotten what a good impact he's had um, in terms of the sort of if you think of pre January before he, he came. Uh, I think he's had a really good sort of four or five months. Um, that Illich Richie midfield when they were eight fit and available to start together does look really good, and will hopefully be our sort of two centre midfielders for the next sort of couple of seasons at least. Um, like a full season of them together with decent sort of alternatives, for, so that they can have sort of rest and rotation um, for next season. It's going to be really good. So yeah, I've. Only because he's only had half the season, I think this would have been higher had he been um, had he played the whole season. Uh, I've given him a seven. Yeah, I think it's a fair rating. I think when he th- he did take a while, understandably, to get going. Richie also wasn't fit for a while, but I think we've seen in the last six weeks uh, a what a goal threat he's going to be, how composed he is. Um, I'm just yeah very excited about that midfield for next season. It'll be interesting to see what kind of alternative players we have, whether we um, I don't think it would make sense to have two kind of other versions of them as backups. I think it would make sense to have two quite different players that we can mix it up with. Um, but yeah, I'll give it. Looks like a good investment. Um, it was always a pretty safe investment with the kind of year, the age profile and the years he'd had under uh, at Verona and the fact he played under Juric as well. Um, Carol Linetti. Um, was that, what was your uh, rating? Sorry, Peter. Oh, sorry, it's a seven year. It's a seven. Um, Carol Linetti, for me, um, he's never been the player we expected to sign from Sampdoria. I thought he was he was there a box to box midfielder um, at Torino. He's he's a bit like the Gigi and Rodriguez story. He's he's been someone who's had to kind of come through those those difficult seasons 
uh, a win over the fans. Um, he's obviously lost his place quite a bit since the, the Richie and Illich midfield came in. We're obviously a better team uh, without Letty in it, being without being harsh. But I think there's been a few standout moments of the season, the performance at home to Bologna, the goal in Rome. I think he's just been a very good squad player this season. It looks like um, we're going to try and keep him on as one of the backups for next season. Um, I think it's a six and a half for me for, for Lilletti, no higher. Um, uh, but yeah, just a he's kind of become a very kind of steady pro in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly the same rating for me as well. I think he is underrated. Weirdly, obviously, when he came, he didn't have much joy, like you say. And then yeah, he, he's just become a steady member of the squad. You you do, you need uh, you need Carol Lilletti's in a, in a squad. He's going to actually. Not play every week, but when he does come on, he's going to give absolutely everything. And I think the surprising thing is that he's made twenty-two starts. Only only Richie in that midfield has made has made anywhere near that. Um, so yeah, just a bit of consistency and continuity. I think it'd be good to to keep him around for next season. All right, do you want to lead on on Richie? So then? Uh, yeah, I feel like Richie, other than being um, Paul Dempsey's least favorite player, um, I think he is a player who has had moments but maybe they he just needs to sort of have a little bit more consistency in terms of make it maybe putting himself into games and dominating with his sort of I think his passing range is very good. I think he looks comfortable when he's got the ball. Come more of a goal threat in recent weeks. Did miss that um absolute city against against Hellas but yeah then sort of scored a, a good goal against Spezia. Um I think like Lynette, it's, it's difficult. You've also got to remember he's still so young and, and how much he's probably improved from from last season. Um, he will go on to hopefully be a, a sort of a player in that midfield, like I say, with Illich for the next couple of seasons uh, and will only get better. Um, but yeah, I've, get, I've given him a seven, which potentially could be a little bit harsh. Bear in mind that I've, I've sort of given a, a, some sort of generous scores out there. But yeah, I think there is maybe a little bit of room for improvement. Yeah, I was between a seven and a seven and a half. I'm not, I think there's been a few performances where, as you say, he's not quite imposed himself in the in the way he should have done. Um, a few kind of loose performances as well here and there. I think he uses the ball very well. He's also very good at protecting the ball. He's slightly better. Uh, well, better, he's slightly more adapted to play a defensive game than than Illich. But I kind of am encouraged. He's added that kind of threat in. in in the final third, um, especially towards the latter part of the season. Yeah, just very excited to see him and, and Illich next season. And yeah, I think he's, the sad fact is he's probably going to be a very sellable asset in in, in a year or two. And um, it would be nice to see him kind of become a bit of a, a mainstay of the, the national team midfield while being at Torino. But yeah, seven, a bit like Scherz, because I think the ceiling there is really high. And I think the... I think he can add a lot more to his game and we might be coming back next season with a player who's, who's scored, you know, five or six goals and, 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 and really bossed that midfield. And then we're going to be talking about seven and a half and, and maybe an eight. So, yeah, seven, good season, good season from Richie. And then just to close the midfielders with the Englishman. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm not actually, I'm not giving uh, Ronaldo Vieira a mark here. I think it'd be a little bit harsh to judge his two substitute appearances. Um, yeah, I, I, a bit of a, I think it was almost a, a non-brainer that that Ilkham was going to go to Stamper and Vieira was going to go the other way and gave us maybe something different. 
uh, I think he I think he came on in quite early on after after the January transfer window, but yeah, got injured and yeah, made it only one of the cameo and yeah, nice to nice to have another um English English player represent Serena who we did so I think we may have forgotten to mention in our on our uh, recent episode on on the players who've uh, who've played from the club from from Britain. But yeah, I don't think he'll be returning and I think that that fourth centre midfielder is a role which we'll probably need to uh, invest relatively heavily in January to try and get a, a maybe a, a better version, similar profile, maybe more of a um a ball winning midfielder as like say a, a slightly different option in that midfield. Yeah, there's not a lot to say. I think he came on in the game I was there against Udinese and then towards the end of the season at Verona. I was surprised it was only two appearances. I thought we'd seen more of him. Uh yeah, I just don't it's not fair to give to give a rating. Um and yeah, unfortunately not we've had a fair few of those January transfer signings that have not really worked out like that um, so you, in the past. Moving on to moving on to the forwards and potentially your favourite player of the season. Um I feel like he's your well the the, the opposite of um of Bongiorno really. Caramo is somebody who well, maybe maybe a similar career path. You maybe weren't totally convinced with him when he signed and and yeah, I think you you you're a Caramo believer now. Yeah, I'm a bit of a Caramo fanboy. Um, it's a nine for me. No, I'm just joking. Caramadonna. <laughs> um, Caramadonna. Yeah, I mean, I think in the arc of the season, he's alternated pretty some pretty poor performances, to be honest, especially early in the season. He looked a bit lost. Um, that centre-forward performance at, at Bologna wasn't great. There was a cameo also in Udinese where he could have wrapped up the game a few times and didn't. Um, so, but seven starts... 14 appearances he's just increasingly become a very, very See, I'm, different... I'm, I'm amazed that it's only been seven starts yeah I, so... I, i'm really surprised it's actually been that few but i think it's one of the few players who's actually made an impact from the bench and actually some of the starts he's have not necessarily worked out four goals plus the one in the coppa italia as said i'm not sure he's as he's as fast as you kind of made out earlier in the season but i think he has very good uh, close ball control can beat I'm a just, man. I'm just not used to seeing pace in a three-no shirt, Peter. Anybody, anybody goes at over sort of four miles an hour, I'm I'm impressed by. That's true. He's not Thomas Rincon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was a very very encouraging season. Um, I think there's a lot. Another player who's definitely got a ceiling uh, of improvement. Um, unfortunately, got an injury a bit like Radonjic at a time of the season where it actually looked like he might be hitting the form of in the Caribbean most case probably the form of his career my mark's probably a bit lower than you expect because i think there there were definitely highs and lows but it's just yeah he's probably staying on next season i think it'll be very interesting to see how he gets on but it's a six and a half for me Oof. i don't think anybody would have um bet on me having a higher score for caramo than you i actually went for a seven i think actually right. um given four goals in seven starts is a pretty decent return scored in the derby um, even gave us a little bit of hope in that Coppa Italia defeat against Fiorentina by scoring a, a late goal. Um, and I think it deserves maybe a, that half a mark extra just for how how little our expectations were. I've mentioned that on the pod before. Usually players, you get really excited and they sign and they actually turn out to be a bit crap. Uh, Caramo was almost the, the opposite. Absolutely no expectations. Didn't expect him to play and then has, has been a pleasant surprise. Um, and yeah, I Excited to see him next season. I think he will stay, and yeah, we'll we'll see where he um 
where we can sort of get with with him in the team. All right, I'll let you lead on um, nine goal nine goal contribution. Alexa yeah, Morancic <laughs> uh, is a I think a, I can't remember who else I described. It. I think it's Singo described as a, as an enigma. I think Morancic probably fits in that category as well. Um, technically potentially the best player in the squad I'd say with his ability when um passing in short areas and his sort of his his technique. Um I get the feeling he it's almost like he doesn't really rec- realise he's a professional footballer and it, it's almost like he's just playing with his mates and it just happens to just be in a football stadium and he doesn't really re- realise there's no real I, can you remember him like putting in a tackle or like even looking angry? He's just he's just got that same just normal just Moranchuk face where he's just sort of you wouldn't know if you looked at his face you wouldn't know if he was 4-0 up or 4-0 down he just seems to be very content just going about his business playing little delicate intricate passes um, and then maybe just blasting one in from 25 yards when he feels like it or, or I think he's had a couple which hit the bar in the, in the post this season as well um, yeah just a bizarre footballer in a, in a good way I think he's almost like maybe a, a throwback uh, number ten, where you could imagine, sort of in the nineties, he'd yeah had his socks rolled down and just sort of just been there just for for the for the good times and and not really concerned about wins or losses. Um, I've given him a six point five, which is potentially harsh given the fact he scored four goals and provided five assists, but he just drifts in and out of games. He he's not the sort of player that he's gonna when the when the chips are down and you need somebody to pull in the performance, you're not gonna get that from Alexi Moranchuk, unfortunately. No, I mean, I think you've 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 described him very well. Um, he's going to be a really interesting one whether the, the club invest in him because uh, he didn't score a goal in the second half of the season. Um, did get a few assists. This, despite the fact he missed, um, he obviously scored in the opening day at Monza and then missed the next six games. But yeah, all of his his last goal was, I think, the winner in, in Florence. Some really memorable contributions, some great technique, uh, the threat outside the box. But yeah, the game, the game just passes him by so often. And you say, yeah, he's pretty expressionless. His his shorts don't get dirty. There's barely a tackle. There's barely a burst of pace. Um, despite, I think he's the player who. Um, but weirdly, like I wouldn't say he was lazy. It just seems like it, there's like almost a. Oh, it's, well, a pass- oh. it's a passiveness. It's not. It's yeah. Not, it's not even lackadaisical necessarily. It's just. Yeah. It's it just, just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't seem to care. That's that's the strangest thing. And yeah, I think yeah. it. It is an. He's one of those ones where I think if we if we could get him on a good deal, it would be a good acquisition acquisition to the squad. But if again, if Atalanta want stupid money, I don't think. I think you could get a be- a better player elsewhere, maybe for that sort of price. Yeah, and I'm also not sure the player who needs to fight for his shirt a little bit and where he gets a bit too comfortable. Uh, for me, it's a six because I just think he the 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 the, the gap between his talent and what was delivered was, was quite vast. And and I think in the final weeks of the season where we needed we needed someone to open doors, he just he didn't really do it. Which is not to say I'd be against him signing for next season, but. Um, yeah, I think he can, he can deliver a lot more. Um, talking of delivering a lot more, Pietro Pellegrini. Double, double P, Pietro Pellegrini. Um, I think you've got to caveat this with the fact that he has, again, had a terrible season with injuries. He's low light of the season, obviously, getting injured, kicking up against... Well, I don't think... I think Bologna kicked off and he got 
uh, injured sort of charging, <laughs> charging down the, the defender and I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny um, but yeah it it just sums up his career I think and, and it's unfortunate he sort of ended even even what would almost be a highlight for, for the players and sort of like managed to score after such a long uh, battle with injury he then almost managed to ruin which again I, I think we've, we've discussed in the pod I don't think he really did anything wrong in celebrating against Samp but he almost then got punished for that straight away as well and that's just it, it's a shame how his career is gonna is gonna go and I just don't I don't see where we go I don't think he can he can't be the second choice striker for Torino he needs to either go off go off and and have a have a run of games and try and be a starter for for a whole season um or just be content with being a third choice striker and a, another option um off the bench but yeah, it's it is a bit of a shame how his career has gone, and and yeah, his Torino career is just going to be similar, I feel. Um, so yeah, I've given him a six, um, potentially a little bit too generous, but yeah, I do, I do feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah, since that infamous kickoff against Bologna, his total minutes uh, total less than ninety for the entire season. Um, he. His best spell was he played 89 minutes when he got that winner in, in Udine and then he started and played quite well in the win over Milan. And that preceded the the game at Bologna, which effectively ended his season. Um, I agree. There's like clearly a player in there. Sometimes he looks like a proper old-fashioned Christian Vieri-esque centre forward, but he's just not getting a run in the team. Or what's best for the future to be like, I agree, he can't be our second-choice striker next season. If he's third-choice, then how much game time is he getting? If he was fit every week, then he'd be getting some game time. But are a Serie B side or a Serie A side? They can't, no one can take a punt on him being fit for any length of time. That's the problem. I think you, so. you, you'd literally you would have to almost consider him dropping down to Serie B. Um, there is that potential, I think. Again, his age... I think he's still under 23. So there are these rumours of Torino being interested in an under 23 um, team in, to be to be in the third division. Whether that is something where he could then sort of go between the two, he can go, he can play a little bit in the in the third division and and sort of get some consistency. And then once he's played uh, a little bit more, he can then sort of be in that first team squad. Yeah, he's, th- he's still only 22. Um, yeah, I, I think if it was to leave, I don't think anybody would be too sad and probably for his career, which maybe what's best as well. Yeah, it's a five and a half for me, for Pellegrini, because I think um, even a lot of his contributions were a little bit frustrating as well. He has a tendency to come on and overcompensate um, by knocking people around and, and uh, giving away silly fouls. Um Interesting one, Nemanja Radonjic. Well, we we uh, missed. I knew I'd missed something in our uh, questions earlier about the cameos of the season. I think we forgot about Radonjic getting so, being a sub who got subbed in the derby. Um, but yeah, his season's been the redemption story, the redemption of Radonjic. Um, I think we we discussed on the pod whether he was ever going to play after that, and not only did he play, he sort of saved his best sort of performance of the season in, in that immediate aftermath. Great performance in Lecce. Um, yeah, another strange player. It feels like Torino just attracts these players who maybe are at Torino because they just wouldn't really cope anywhere else. But yeah, I think it's interesting to see why why Redonich will go with the rest of his career. It looks like we we're sort of gonna have to keep him now. Uh, yeah, Redonich started 
as the kind of poster boy for the season, we quickly learned he was quite one-dimensional. He had a few good tricks and they tended to work against um, lower, lowly, lowly opposition, so to speak. Um, then there was a horrific bulk of the season where there were kind of bad cameo performances, horrific, like, technical errors, not chasing back, the link-up with, with, with Voivoda uh, down that side. And then, as you said, he, his reaction from the derby was pretty incredible. It came at a time his contract clause was triggered, which I don't know if that just gave him a degree of stability. And then, of course, he misses the last, I think, seven games through injury just to, just as he hit the right form. I don't think I can go beyond the six, despite the redemption story, because I think a lot of the season was a four. Did, um, I, give, did I give my score? No, you didn't. But... 6.5. I've been a little bit generous, I think. As, as I think it's probably a theme through the through the whole of this, Bajelli. I just can't, I'm just, I'm just a nice guy, Peter. Yeah, yeah the, only, the only one I think you've marked... There's not many I've marked higher than you. It's Coffee, Gigi and Adopo uh, so far, I think. But yeah, you're the generous one. All right. Um, the main goal scorer, six, uh, six, 16, uh, 12 goals, four assists, uh, Tony Sanabria. I, I do think there has been a little bit of revisionism from Torino fans about Tony and the fact that he had a very good start to the se- uh, second half of the season. But the first half of the season, he was couldn't score a goal at home. Um it got booed when I was at the Empoli game in October and it got booed off the field and was in a game that we needed to sort of score two goals and he was a straight swap for Pellegri, I think. Um, it got dropped and, well, Dembasek was preferred to him in, in Florence where we won. Um, so, it, I mean, I've, I've getting the negatives out of the way. I think it's important to think that throughout the whole season, it, he was below par for a number of months. Um He's gone on to have a, obviously a very good second half of the season since the World Cup break's been on fire, scored some very good goals, some very good finishes. Um, and yeah, I think a, I think a lot of people probably have Sanabria as their player of the season. I've given a 7.5, which is quite a common <laughs> score for me. Um, I just, I'm just not 100% sure I could give him as being um, the player of the season or, or like an a massively outright player of the season. Bear, bear in mind that sort of he, he was quite poor sort of before January. Yeah, I just I think he's basically scored a goal every other game in the second half of the season. A lot of really good one-touch finishes, as I said, just very clinical. He's actually not me- missed many chances. We don't create many, so he's been very decisive. The team's probably been quite well set, set up to play for him. What I would say is there's a lot of games he's not really involved with. Um I don't think there's been the quite the same link-up play that there was with Brekolo, Sanabria and Pryat last season. don't think there's that same synergy with Vlasic and Moranchuk. It's very different and it took him a while to maybe adapt to, to not being involved in the play as much, but to be kind of a focal point from the ball went into the box. Um, we'll talk about this on the next part. I'm, I would like to see a better class centre-forward in the squad to push him. Um, and maybe, yeah, again... I, I, I still think we need we we need a better quality number. Nine. I'm not I'm not convinced that the Sanabria we've seen in the second half of the season is going to be the future. I think Sanabria I've seen scores 15, 20 goals a season. I think I've seen rumours of him being linked with maybe a, a Napoli or maybe a sort of top six uh, Serie A side. I think he would be a player where if a, if a, if an offer of stupid money came in, I, I think he. He's one of the strikers where I think he's had a good season, but I'm not sure how long 
he can continue to score sort of every chance he gets. Like like you say, we don't create that many chances. Maybe somebody who offers a little bit more and can maybe create his own chances a bit more as well um, might help the team going forward. He wouldn't be somebody who, if we were to sell him for a really good offer, I would be like, that's that's absolutely terrible. No, I completely agree. It's a seven for me, um, for, for Tony Sadabria, which is, I think, unless there's a... I think it'd be quite an interesting thing. We'll conclude in a minute. Um, so two more players, uh, Denver sick. Um, I think he's just the most random <laughs> like, player in the squad. He's like, he'll be like, he'll be great when he's, when he's finished, but he's, um, he alternates. He's had a few starts where he's been brilliant in terms of threats at an application. Atalanta away. I remember he started really well. He played really well in Florence. He just seems to be, if you look at even look at his season, he just has his uh he's the player who's played the most kind of three minutes here, three minutes there, and then has long periods out and has a kind of random start every two months. Uh the problem with Dembasek is he's got electric pace. He's one of the few people in the squad can beat a man, but once he's beaten a man, um he kind of loses uh any composure. And it's very rare that the ball that then goes into the box or the shot that's taken is decisive. Um, again, another really interesting one. Has the Denver Sec experiment finished now? I think he probably has to go out. On, 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 I don't know. Maybe see him at Bari or or Frosinone next season. For, for actually, where we've sent Kone um, this season, he's had quite a good season. I just think he's developed. He needs a run in the side somewhere. Um, but I, I think, think there's he, a there's a player in there. Yeah, he, I think Umar Sadiq is probably a. a a relatively decent comparison the fact that where I think he obviously is a, a sex of the better Torino career than Sadiq did but Sadiq then went off um, and sort of forged the career and then I think has, has gone on to have a, a pretty sort of scored quite a lot of goals and went for a lot of money uh, over in Spain uh, and I, again I'm not maybe not sure that uh, Sec will have a, a similar career path but I could see him going on to um having a good career um but maybe away from Torino maybe just go needs to go at his age probably needs to go and, and sort of start a lot more games and yeah, yeah like say whether for a lower lower league Serie A, a lower lower in the table Serie A side or, or back into Serie B um might be beneficial for him what's my ratings are five and a half for them is it six because I'm too nice all right I was going to give him a six then I realized I gave Moran took a six and that didn't really <laughs> seem right so all right, we'll close with uh, Nikola Vlasic, probably the big signing of last summer. Five goals, all but one in the first half season, six assists, um, 29 starts. Um, I'll, I'll start. It started really well the season in terms of end product. Um, I think was quite affected by the world, either side of the World Cup. Um, he's the kind of, we've said many times, the opposite of Maranchuk in terms of being very involved in the game a lot of chasing back, a lot of spent energy, never really sure what his best position is. Um, and I, th- I I expected a little bit more kind of, uh, I guess the player expecting we get, and I thought was, would be a little bit more decisive, have a little bit more flair, and it's not really the kind of player he is. Um, he's actually a very kind of Torino-spirited player. Uh, in many ways, but I think for me, Vlasic is a six and a half, a very steady season, um, and could always be relied on. And 
but the player we saw early in, in the season, I kind of wish we had been sustained a bit more across the whole campaign. I think I think I've mentioned it before. If you had a mixture of Vlasic and Moranchuk, you'd have a player who would probably be winning the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> maybe maybe that's an exaggeration, but the the, the others' um, strength is the other player's weakness, and it, it, yeah, it's a little bit of a shame that maybe together. I think Juric did say for a spell that he couldn't play them both together, and then I think changed his mind quite quickly um, because everybody else was getting injured. So it's um, I I had actually given him a six point five as well, but then. Looking back at maybe that's a little harsh, so I've upgraded him to a seven. Um, just because I think out of him and Moranchik, he has a better, better season, so maybe be a, maybe more of a 6.75, but we won't, we, we won't go there just yet. Um, yeah, he, he's he's had a good season without having a great season. I don't think West Ham will be massively sort of impressed with, with what he's done. Um, and yeah, I think there's probably going to be room for negotiation for him to stay. Again, I think it's all going to be dependent on on the sort of fee and, and how much we could sort of negotiate a price down. I mean, obviously, we're not going to get him on loan again. All right, so that concludes the Pagelli. And I think last year we were unanimous in Bremer being player of the season. I think this year, looking at our combined scores, it's a three-way tie between Alessandro Bongiorno, Ricardo Rodriguez and Tony Sanabria. Uh, so I suggest we put it to a poll to the Talking Toro public and we'll reveal the winner in the final pod of the season in two weeks' time. That, that, sounds, that, that sounds good to me and the only fair way to decide it. Yeah, I don't think... We could put in a fourth player, but if we're just basing it purely on our ratings, that seems the fairest way fairest way to do it. So, yeah, a bit of a, bit of a bumper episode. You've got two... You got two Two Toropedias. There'll be one. We'll do the last one of the season. I'm quite excited about the one I've got for Rob in in in, uh, in a few weeks' time. But yeah, we'll, we'll come back. We'll talk about. I think we're going to talk about the targets for the summer transfer campaign. We might know a little bit more about contracts and what's going on. And I think we're going to do a a kind of Torino targets eleven. A bit of a, a bit of a look back into missed targets of the past. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, we're back in a few weeks, so it's a bit of extra content for you this week in case you miss us uh, I'm going to take this incredibly smelly shirt off that somehow I've managed to survive all podding uh, Rob for Totoro for Totoro <laughs>